Somebody clap your hands to the, the only one that's worthy. Come on, do it like you mean it. Do it like you want to. Give Jesus some praise up in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I want you to try it by not looking at anybody else. I want you to try it maybe with your eyes closed. I want you to try it with lifting your head up. I want you to clap your hands to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Just joining us haven't been here the last couple of weeks we've had some major breakthroughs in the Holy Ghost and I feel the winds of Pentecost blowing there's an old song we used to sing the wind is blowing again just like the day of Pentecost the wind is blowing again aren't you thankful for the winds aren't you thankful for the moving of the Holy Ghost well, some of you are. I'm asking you a question. Are some of you thankful that you're still in a Holy Ghost church? Woo, hallelujah. Last Sunday, while a bunch of you were carrying on, I couldn't help but watch you. I don't know how far you away, what kind of, where you've been in your life, but I sure did see Jesus wreck your world. You say, I've been, I've been out of the church too long, and, and I can't get back where I need to go. Well, there's something about the wind that can find you wherever you are. Woo! I didn't mean to play off what you said, Brother Green, or tonight he's, he's Evangelist Green, I guess, because you're here as a guest minister. There's something about the wind. It can find you wherever you are, no matter what state you're in, no matter how high you are, how low you are. I don't know if you ever tried to hide behind something when the north wind was blowing, but no matter what you did, it seemed to find its way to where you are. I'm so glad that his glory covers the earth. I'm so thankful that we serve. I'm so thankful we serve a God that's everywhere present at the same time. And you did my heart good. I don't know how long you've been backslid or what kind of condition you was in, but man, the Holy Ghost. And here you are tonight worshiping on a Saturday night. I say, take that devil, and I say, go Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. I got to preaching last Sunday, and I ended up right here in front of you. And we, we watch you get baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. Amen. And all that past was washed away. And man, we just got to screaming and yelling and preaching up in this house. And I stopped at you and I said, have you ever seen the Holy Ghost? And you said no. And I laid my hands on you, started talking in tongues, didn't you? Because that, because the wind, the winds of Pentecost is blowing. 
the scripture when it said, it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, that I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh. Come on, if you're glad for the Holy Ghost, won't you lift your hands in the air and give Jesus some Holy Ghost praise. Give him some praise up in this house today. got to praise God in the hell. It's just the way it is. You go to your dictionary, there's a word called worse, W-O-R-S-E, and then there's another word, and then the next word is worst, W-O-R-S-T. Do you know what word is between worse and worst? Worship. So it's irrelevant. If it's gotten worse and worse, the world's going to, it's going to get worse and worse. Perilous times shall come. That word come means to set in like concrete. It's not going to get better out there, but it's always better up in here. And it may be, you may be saying it's worse right now, or it may be worse. But somewhere along the way, you've got to lift your hands and say, God, I'm going to worship you despite all of it. Somebody give the Lord another good hand clap of praise. I love you, Jesus. I wish I could just take off singing tonight. Man, I wish. Man, you know, they got those singing preachers. They can sing and preach. Both greens. They could probably, if their wives can sing like they can, they can probably sing preach. I can't do it. Amen. But I wish sometime I could just take off. My wife's saying, oh, honey, please don't. Hallelujah. See, aren't you glad she's here? Praise God. God bless my wife. So glad she's here. Amen. Amen. Give her honor. And uh, to Pastor Green and his wife and family, thank you so much. It's his fault that I'm back because he, he fed me a steak and he took good care of me. And then, then he started praying and twisting my arm. And then I just said, bro, let me pray about it. And then the Holy Ghost got to work and the wind got to blowing. And then, you know, the wind just blew me back in from Oklahoma back into Texas. Praise God. I wish I was preaching like the winds of Pentecost or something. You know, that'd be really good. And to my dear friend, the other Greens, I mean, I guess you have to always say their first name first, right? Amen. So to the Keith Green family, God bless them, Kip and all the daughters and your friend. So nice to meet you in the office. Bless them. What a beautiful family they have. And it's a treat to be with them tonight to worship the Lord. And uh, all the saints of God bless you in Jesus' name. I'm glad you're here. Be born without you. Praise God. Amen. And to Bishop, so glad you're here, able to join us. Last weekend, I seen you in the back, and then you were gone. I was like, man, I hope I didn't say nothing to make the bishop mad. Praise God. I, mean, I was worried, and then they told me you wasn't feeling well, so you slipped out. So I'm glad you're back here and healthy. Appreciate you very much. And to all the saints of God, guests that are here, I greet you in the name of the Lord. And I do want to see God do a tremendous work here tonight. I have, I have battled all day long 
And uh, I told my wife, it's been a very, very long time where I literally felt so many different veins of approaches and flows to step into tonight. And, and uh, there's nothing worse than not having anything to preach, and there's nothing worse than having too many directions to preach. Can I get a witness in the house? And uh, I, I'm not enough off-the-cuff preacher. I just don't want to just pick something and just come and say, oh, that'll be good. Let's work. That'll work out well. No, I really want the will of God here tonight. And, and um, I don't want to waste your time or mine. Here definitely don't want to waste hers, and so I want to try my best here tonight to do my very best. And so, having said that, I take you the book of Judges, the book of Judges, chapter number 17. Amen. You can keep on playing, sir. Till I'm done with my text. your hands with me right now. Let's just entertain him for a moment. interruption right now. I want you to lift your hands and open your spirit. There, something just shifted in the atmosphere in this room. Father, I want your will done in this house here tonight. Just man availeth much. Come on. Open your mouth and begin to talk to him. Open your mouth and begin to talk to him. Hallelujah. saying, God, I need something to happen in me tonight. I need something to move in me tonight. I need something, God, to move my soul. I need a word from you, God. I need a touch of your power and your spirit moving in my soul tonight.
Come on, just for a few moments longer. I'm going to minister here in a moment, but just just please, nobody looking around. Don't worry about the time. We're, 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 we're beyond all that in this revival. We, we're after what the Holy Ghost wants here tonight. Come on, just for a few moments longer. I'll take you to the text, but just indulge. It just indulge me just for a moment and just spend a little time with the Lord. God, I loose you to do whatever you want to do. I don't want to hinder in any way. I don't want to say anything you don't want me to say, God. I pray you would direct every part of this message, every part of this service. Position us where you want to position us. Put us in the place where you want us here tonight, God. I ask it in Jesus' name and on ears to hear and hearts to receive. I give you praise tonight, God. I give you worship tonight, Lord. I give you worship tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Thank you one more time with a hand clap because he's worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Judges 17 and verse number 5. Judges chapter number 17 and verse number 5. I have a unique assignment here tonight, and that is I have to identify where you are currently. I'm not speaking collectively as the church. I'm speaking to individuals here tonight. I have to identify where you are currently, and I've got to identify where you've come from and on where you're on your way to. And I've got to stop you from going where you're going to, and I've got to get you back where you belong. That's my assignment here tonight. Whether you're a teenager, whether you're unmarried, whether you're young married, whether you're an elder in this church, whether you're a preacher or you're not a preacher, I've got to identify where some in this room, and I know there is some because the Holy Ghost shared with me just before I got here, that they're specifically exactly where you are. And I've got to come in and prevent you from on your journey to where you're headed. So you got to stay with me as a church. Just, just be, let's let the Holy Ghost have his way because we gotta get you, I got to get you back where you belong because you made a move. You made a move that got to where you are without any kind of a spiritual authority in your life and you've transitioned to where you are and you're heading to a dangerous place. And I've got to come in with the Holy Ghost and say, whoa, 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 whoa. This is where you are, but that's where you got to get back to. All right? So I'm going to tell you what I'm doing before I ever do it. All right? Is that all right? So everybody say praise the Lord. Amen. The Bible said in Judges chapter 17 and verse number 5, And the man Micah had an house of gods and made an ephod and teraphim and consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. Isn't that amazing? Anointed his own son to become his priest. In those days there were no king in Israel, but everyone did that which was right in his own eyes or in his own estimation or how they saw it. You ever see somebody, you tell them something, they say, I don't see it that way. So they do what's right in their own eyes or their own estimation or viewpoint. That's the way they see it, that's the way they do it. So he said, in those days, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. There was no consideration to what the man of God said. There was no consideration what the law of God said. It was everything was right in their own eyes. And there was a young man out of Bethlehem, Judah, 
of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. And the man departed out of the city from Bethlehem, Judah. Notice he left where he belonged, and he started going where he wanted to go. He departed out of the city from Bethlehem, Judah, to sojourn where he could find a place. Everybody say, places matter. And he came to Mount Ephraim to the house of Micah as he journeyed. He never intended to end up at a house of idols. He never intended to end up at a house of false gods. But when he left where he belonged... Without counsel, I feel the Holy Ghost helping us already. Without counsel, without any influence or voice in his life, because he wanted to go find a place. I'm just looking for a place to land. The problem was he should have stayed where he was already at. But there's reasons why Levites journey. There's reasons why they leave where they belong. And so he journeyed, and Micah said unto him, Whence comest thou? And he said, I am a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah. I didn't ask who you are. I asked, where did you come from? But he wanted to tell him, I'm a Levite, and I'm from Bethlehem, Judah. I go to sojourn where I may find a place. And Micah said unto him, notice the young man who later the scripture calls Jonathan. Jonathan was wanting to find a place to sojourn. But Micah is never happy with you just passing by. Micah said, dwell with me permanently stay here in this place of idolatry, in this place of false worship, and dwell with me and be a father and a priest. And I will give thee ten shekels of silver by the year, a suit of apparel, and thy victuals. So the Levite went in. His ministry become a bot ministry. And he went in because of what Micah offered to him. And he never had any intentions of being there. But he left where he shouldn't have left. And now he's at the house of Micah. Next verse 11. And the Levite, notice, was content to dwell with the man. And the young man was unto him as one of his sons. But Micah promised that he would be a, he'd be a father to him. He said, you're going you're to be a father to me. But he just made him as a son. Isn't it amazing how false worship and idolatry and false doctrine and perversion never delivers to you what it promised? You're going to be a father, and he's, I'm going to make you a son. So he said, I'm going to put you in a lofty position with authority, but instead I'm going to be the authority over you, and you're going to be the son. And Micah concentrated, consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest and was in the house of Micah. I preach to you tonight. I had no intentions of coming tonight to preach to this, but here we are. I preach to you tonight ministry at Micah's house. Ministry at Michael's house. Micah's house. God bless you. you may be seated. I am sure that everyone in this house will no doubt emphatically agree with me that there is just but one God. There is not a second person in a triune Godhead. You will not make it to heaven and see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. But there is one, John said, that I've seen set upon that throne. Amen. And his name is Jesus. Praise God. He is a counselor, a healer. 
He's a way maker. He's a giver of life. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But there is just but one God. Praise God. I declare to you and to the spirit world in Austin that here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. I say to you what Paul told the church at Ephesus when he said, there is one Lord. One faith, one baptism, one God who's above all, through all, and in us all. You may not want to shout about anything that I say here tonight, but I declare and I decree to you that there is not a multiplicity of gods. God is so powerful and so sovereign that he needs not the help of another. There is none beside him. There's none above him, below him, or beneath him. He is God all alone. He is God all by himself because he's sovereign he don't need anybody else to die for himself but he robed himself in flesh and he got blood to shed for you and I praise God I know a lot of men that would like to be God but I only know one God that became a man that got blood to shed for you and I and I declare to this house under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost and I tell you there's always been one God from the beginning there always will be one God and there'll never be one more than one true living God and if you believe that you ought to clap your hands you ought to stomp your feet you ought to lift your heart to the Lord and you ought to say here O Israel the Lord our God is one Lord <laughs> Woo, hallelujah I want the spirit of idolatry of Austin to know there's only one God we will worship. There's only one God we will bow to. There's only one God we will cry out to. There's only one God I will clap my hands. There's only one God I will wave my hands, Mark. There's only one God I will dance before. There's only one God I will worship for. There's only one God I will dress the way that I dress. There's only one God that I'll go to his house the way that I live because I know that there is just one God. I feel like making the devil's tribble tonight. There's only one God. There's only one God. I feel like the spirit of perversion, of idolatry in this city needs to know that there's only one God. Oh, thou doest well if you believe there's one God. For the devils also believe and they tremble. I want the spirit of this city to know there's just one God. There's just one God. There's devil. I want you to hear me. There's one God. I want every backslider in the house to know there's one God. I want every compromising spirit to know there's one God. I want every spirit of idolatry, every spirit of darkness. I want the perverted spirit to know there's only one God, and I will submit to that one God. Oh, I feel like preaching up in this house right now. Woo! There's only one God. There is one God that kicked out one fallen angel, and there's still just one God. Anytime somebody tries to be a God and you're not a God, you're on your way to getting kicked out. But if you'll humble yourself, if you'll humble yourself and submit to God, you can resist the devil, and he's got to flee from you. Oh, are there any one God believers up in this house? 
I got about 40% of you with me here tonight. Where are the people that do know their God, that their God is one? For Daniel said, they that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Maybe you're weak because there's a Trinitarian spirit, a perversion that's trying to get you tripped up on verbiages and scripture and trying to get you misread it and misapplied and misquoted. You got to look and understand that this Bible was written from a oneness perspective and a one God. There's no writer that the Holy Ghost moved on that tried to write in such a way that would cause you to be deceived. But they wrote knowing that there's just one God. Will somebody help me preach here tonight? There's just one God and his name is Jesus. I feel like running around the pulpit and just praising God tonight that I'm glad that I know who he is. Woo! Just one. It took one God to forgive me of my sins. It took one God to fill me with his spirit. It took one God to heal my body. It took one God to rebaptize you with the Holy Ghost. It took one God to fill you with the Holy Ghost. I, I don't need any idols. I don't need to bow down to this world. I don't need to make any graven images. I don't need none of the gods above the one true God. There is just but one God. But I don't know what happened along Micah's life, but somewhere in Micah's life, he started, he started thinking or alluding to or becoming a part of this, uh, this, this uh, thing of, of worship, of, of a house of worship. Uh, it was not a problem for him that he was a worshiper. The problem was is how he was worshiping and what he was worshiping. You see, in Micah's house, he, he made him a house of gods, plural. In Micah's house, it was not uh, where the one true God was lifted up and worshipped and adored. In his house, there were no rules about worship and no restrictions about worship. You could do it however you wanted to do it. <laughs> you could worship however. You could live in sin and still worship and do whatever you want to do. You, could, you, you see, to be a true worshiper, you have to live the way you worship. Oh, help me, Jesus. The Father's not seeking for false worshipers. God is a spirit, and they that worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. The only way that you know that you're not worshiping in truth is to live a different way than you worship. But if you live the way you worship, you're worshiping him in truth. But it was not the case with Micah, who without rules or restrictions, he worshiped and allowed you to worship any way you wanted to worship. He didn't lack desire, for he had desire because he spent money making altars. He spent money building idols, and he had desire. It was just for the wrong things. In his house, uh, there was a shrine room that was located in the inner parts of the house, uh, and he used it for worship. There was, there was an area that was set aside in Micah's house to entertain idols. It wasn't everywhere. It was just in one room of his house. It was just in a part of his house where he entertained the worship of his false gods. It was just a room, and the Bible says that not only did he have a house of gods, but he also had an ephod, and he used this priestly garment that he made so he could deem or he could appoint priests to be in his house. 
<laughs> because he wanted to control what the priest said and how the priest did. Amen. There's a lot of folks that want a preacher, but they don't want a pastor up in their world. Well, it may get a little quiet up in here tonight, praise God. I don't need just somebody screaming and just telling me what God said. I need somebody to tell me that God said no sometimes and God said yes sometimes. I don't want to be in the house of Micah where I can worship and do whatever I want to do and live the way I want to live. But I want a one true worshiper that will tell me how to correctly worship the one true God. Oh, somebody help me, Holy Ghost. My I feel a little help coming. I'm not going to go to YouTube and see what those preachers are saying and neglect what my pastor said. I'm not going to look down the road at a charismatic church and say, well, they're growing by leaps and bounds, and so they must be doing something right. And no, 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 no. I'm going to make sure that my man of God has given me a clear, distinctive voice and that I know what the Spirit is saying, and I'm not going to attune my mind. I didn't mean to get here, but I'm going to bump that a little bit right now. I opened a can of worms, so I might as well go fishing. Let me go fishing to somebody right now. You don't need to have about 10 or 15 different preachers that you listen to every week and say, well, that preacher told me that, and that preacher told me that, and that preacher told If you're not careful, you'll be so confused. You won't know what to do, when to do it. But you need to come under your man of God and hear what's coming out of his mouth and say, that's the man that I'm going the man I'm going to listen to. That's the man I'm going to submit to because I need a preacher that'll preach straight to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Micah, he wanted to dress his ministry up the way he wanted to dress him. I'll make them a little ephod. I got, I got my teraphims. I, I got my idolatry. I got my worship. I got a little good thing going on here. And I'll do it however I want to do it. You better be careful when you start saying, I will, I will, I will. Because you're never more like the devil when you start saying, I will. Because he said, I will exalt myself above the throne of God. I will be like the most high God. Five I wills that Lucifer said. Those I wills got him kicked out of heaven. Because it ain't about, you're never born like the devil when you say, well, I'll worship the way I want to worship. I'll live the way I want to live. That's the spirit of Austin. I'll do whatever you want to do. It feels good, do it. Live the way you want to live. Dress the way you want to dress. Do this, do that. No, 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 no. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to do it the man. I'm going to do it the man of God's way. I'm going to line up and submit to ministry because I want to be saved. Be saved. So he made his sons his priest. They weren't called. He appointed them. I'll make you a priest. In those days, there was no king, but every man did that which was right in their own eyes. I could say several scriptures about that, but that's just the way that it was. The Bible says the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. And he that hearkeneth unto counsel is wise. One place it says all the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth or he evaluates the spirits or the will of that person. 
So it's very clear in Scripture. You can do it your way. You can do it however your way. In your estimation, it's pure in your own eyes. It's the way you estimate it. It's your judgment. It's your viewpoint. It's how you perceive the qualities of something, whether it's yay or nay or right or wrong. You can ju- the, the mind is never more resourceful than what's trying to justify itself. It can come up with all kinds of ideas. Somebody in this house hear me in the Holy Ghost. You need to take spiritual responsibility for your actions and quit blaming and everybody else for the condition that you're in. It's nobody's fault but your own. You made the bed, you got to lay in it. You made the decisions and you reap what you've sown. But somebody needs to get back up and dust the dust off your clothes and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord again. I'm going to get back where I need to get. I'm going to get back where I belong. Somebody say, yeah. Yeah. They're right. They're right in their own eyes. They're right in their own eyes. Why in the world would a young man, a Levite from Bethlehem, Judah, leave his home place and say, I'm just looking for a place. I'm just looking for a place. With no purpose, with no word from God, and no direction, Jonathan leaves where he belongs and he journeys. Why Why do people with callings wonder? Why do they leave where they belong? Why do they take up root and go from one place to another when it's not God's will? There are times where it's God's will for you to move and transition. But there are also times where you're not supposed to go anywhere. It was to Moses at the Red Sea that God said to stand still and see the salvation of God. But Moses rather told the people, he said, actually it was reverse. Moses said, stand still, and God said, go forward. And so he's at the Red Sea trapped and shut in, and Pharaoh's after him and his army. And There's a mountain on one side and a mountain on the other, and the Red Sea in front of him. And Moses is like, oh, we're just going to wait here and stand still. But God told Moses to go forward. I'm preaching to somebody right now. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if there's a mountain on either side, and the enemy's on your back, and the Red Sea's before you, and you feel like you're trapped. If God said, move, move. But if God didn't say, move. Don't you dare move. You stay where you belong. Can I be clear? God, I feel the authority of the Holy Ghost. Can I be clear? If the cloud hasn't moved, then don't move. If the pillar of fire hadn't moved, then don't move. Stay where you are. There's a church in this city because a man, he got to a place with God and he said, I'm not moving. I'm not moving. I'm staying where I belong. I'm working in the kingdom. I'm going to do the will of God. And now we can worship like we worship. We can have a beautiful building because a man went to a city and he died. And he said, I'm not moving until something moves. So why? Why do they wonder? Some say, number one, they, they wonder for finances. Some say they wonder for blemishes, and some say they're just looking for a place to fit in. This young man, Jonathan, living in Bethlehem, Judah, maybe because the people weren't supporting him like he should, he said, I'm just going to leave, and I'm going to find me a better place. (laughs) I'm going to go find that job in a city where there's no pastor. I'm going to make me a transition. I'm going to move somewhere so I can make more money. And you've never considered, is there a church there? 
where I can be saved and my family can worship. It's a little tied up in here right now, but that's all right. Praise God. You've got to make your decisions with God focus in mind and make sure you're not journeying in, the, in a place in a place. And so instead of seeking the Lord for direction, he just gets his stuff and he starts marching and he leaves. You don't find him talking to a father. You don't find him talking to ministry. You don't find him doing any of that. He, he just sets on a course and a journey to leave. And, and maybe, maybe it was right for him to leave, but the timing was wrong. Because the timing that he left, he ends up at this house of Micah who has false gods and teraphims and, 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 and handmade, handmade linen ephods that he's made it the way he wants to make it. And Jonathan gets to this house and he arrives to this house and a conversation in our text goes back and forth. Now, I don't know if it was finances. I just know he was looking for a place. He was just looking for a place. Why? I can't tell you why people leave where they belong. I can't tell you why people say how they sit in Pentecostal services. When the man of God says worship, they just stare at me. I can't tell you why they do that. I can't tell you how that over time they get cold and they get a little colder and they get a little colder. And where they used to move and used to cry and used to worship, they become so numb. They don't have feeling anymore. And they maybe to the point where they say, I can't even feel God anymore. I don't know why they get where they go, but I do know. They left a place where they belonged, and they're moving and making decisions into places where they don't belong. And so Jonathan journeys, and he ends up at the house of Micah, where Micah had made a house of gods, where Micah had an ephod, where Micah had a teraphim. He had everything that was perhaps in some regards familiar to this young Levite. I know what the linen ephod is. I know what worship is. Somebody hear me in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to warn you right now. That you've, you've considered other churches and you've went to another church and you say this. Their worship is like our worship. You know what you're doing? Oh, this is okay, Pastor Green. I didn't mean to be where we're at right here, but here we are. You know what you're doing? You're looking at Micah's linen ephod. And you're comparing that linen ephod with the true priestly garment in the ephod that the priest wore. The problem with that linen ephod, there was no oil on that linen ephod. There was no anointing on that linen ephod. But the priest had to come. The priest had the smell of that anointing oil coming off of it. And that linen ephod that Micah had was something that man had made and man had placed upon people. But the linen ephod of the priestly garment was made by the plan of God and how God said make it. And it was anointed by God. Do not compare another place with how their linen ephod works. If there's no oil and there's no anointing and there's no power, it's not the same garment it's not the same type of worship it's not the truth of God oh I wish somebody stand to your feet and give God some praise give God some worship up in this house come on somebody lift your voice to a great big God that's in this house right now I, 
I don't, I don't know. I don't know what his house looked like. I don't know if it was a two-story or maybe a three-story, but it was Jonathan that somewhere in the mix of his life, he looked around at all the stuff that he had. He looked around all the blessings that he had, and he said, you know what? I think I'll just leave where I am, and I think I'll make a journey. But the problem is he wasn't intended on coming into contact with the false god, with the false idolatry. He never intended to meet Micah. Maybe he wanted to meet somebody else. But Micah, somebody hear me, the false religion and the spirit of perversion, it knows and it sees and it recognizes when you leave where you belong and you're taking a journey and it'll reach out and find you when you're not looking for it. It'll come out of its house long enough. It'll come out of its house long enough to give voice and credence to try to get you pinned in and get you sucked in. It's just like the spirit of homosexuality and lesbianism. It'll groom you. It'll buy you. It'll start doing things for you. It'll start buying you a car and buying you clothes. There's always money attached to that spirit. It'll suck you in just like it started sucking, sucking the life out of John. Jonathan. And so he's sojourning. He's trying to find a place. And oh, oh, Micah says, hey, he said, where are you from? Where are you from? He was a young man out of Bethlehem, Judah. He was from the south, from the town south of Jerusalem, where Jesus was born. Why would you leave a birthplace of the Messiah and end up at the house of Micah? He leaves the birthplace. He leaves the place. God have mercy. He was just on a journey. He was just looking for a place. Places matter. There are some places you don't belong. There's a reason why God put you here and not somewhere else. There's a reason why. Because places matter. They matter. They matter. They matter. They matter. They matter. They matter. So he journeyed, he journeyed, he he left Bethlehem, Judah. He come out of the family of Judah. He was a Levite. He sojourned there. He departed from the city without direction, without counsel, without a man of God. He just made up his mind, I'm leaving. And so he leaves and he sets his journey, of course, and his course of action. He ends up in our text and at, at Micah's house. And, and it's there that when he, when he, you see the word departed, is that he simply changed locations. He moved towards something else. And I have a unique job here tonight. And maybe it's a little bit different than the rest of this revival. But I'm trying to intercept. I'm trying to intercept a Jonathan coming from Bethlehem, Judah, on his way to find a place. I'm trying to get between you and Micah's house. I'm trying to get a reason enough in your mind and your spirit. Hopefully, hopefully I can come to you with enough oil on my garment. You can smell something familiar that you knew what it was like to be back in Bethlehem, Judah. Perhaps you can sense the worship in this house that identifies with you. It resonates with you. This is how it works was at Bethlehem, Judah, and somehow or another, in the middle of Jonathan taking his journey, I can come in and say, come on, boy, come on, ma'am, let's go back where you belong. Woo! Somebody lift your hands and give him praise. Yeah. 
a place, a place, a place. I, I want a place. I want a place. I want a, what you're really saying, a place, a place. is. Uh, you know what a position is? A position is a place where someone or something is located or has been put. What you're really saying is you want a position because a position is a place that you've been put somewhere. I want to I want to I want to get a position. Pastor's not giving me a position here, so I'm going to go down the road because there's a Micah out there. <laughs> yeah, there's a spirit of Austin that's wet. They're more than willing to say, "I'm going to make you a daddy, but when it's said and done, you're going to be a son." I'll be, I promise you this and I'll give you my God have mercy. I'm not trying to be mean to anybody in this building, but I am addressing the spirit of this city that's trying to suck the life out of you and to get you to leave where you come from and what you truly are. It's trying to suck you into a perverted lifestyle of false worship and idolatry but the preacher has been sent by the Holy Ghost to intercept the Jonathan that don't know where you're going and you don't know where you're heading but by the grace and the mercy of Almighty God I'm going to get a hold of you tonight and I'm going to say we're going back to daddy's house we're going back to the house of God we're going back to Bethlehem Judah we're we're going back to Bethlehem, Judah. Somewhere in your walk, places, places matter. Places matter. I was driving down the road in Ocala, Florida, and I was driving down the road. My wife's uncle, and we were driving there. They had moved there. Ocala, Florida is a town of 50,000, 60,000 people. It's a retirement center where a lot of people retire. But as you drive throughout Ocala, Florida, there's beautiful horse ranches everywhere, rolling hills with pretty fescue lawns and nice, beautiful fencing just perfectly as the hills go. The fences just roll. It's gorgeous. You would never think of in the middle of Florida, you would have all these amazing horse ranches. We're driving down the road, and he said, hey, he said, uh, do, you know, do you know what all these horse ranches are here for? I said, no, I have no idea. He said, he said, they found out that because the soil has got so much limestone, it's a limestone-enriched, calcium-enriched soil, that they've learned that these horse, these horse breeders have come from all over the world so, so the foals can be born on this grass and they can eat this limestone, calcium-enriched grass so they can grow stronger, faster. And they've learned that the structure of the horses, the bones, can get stronger quicker while the foals younger, they can race them at a younger age because their structure can withhandle the race and the intensity of a Kentucky Derby. And so I'm driving down the road thinking, my Lord have mercy, it matters what you consume. places matter. Why in the world with all these people from Saudi Arabia from the Orient, from all over the world, buy and own horse ranches all the way in Ocala Florida. It's not because of the beaches. It's because of what that sandy soil can put into the can put into the grass that the horses eat that make them stronger. What are you saying? I'm telling somebody, why, why be just a quarter, why just be a quarter horse when you can be a champion and a thoroughbred it all depends 
eyes on what you're consuming. Quit listening to the lies of Micah's house. Quit listening to the lies of perversion. Some of you ain't going to help me preach, but I'm going to preach anyway tonight. Quit listening to the lies of this city. Say, I'm a child of God. I will be successful. I will be living for God. I will be a child of the king despite what anybody else does. I wish somebody say places matter. I wish somebody say places matter. So you can't rebuke what you entertain. And if you're entertaining the wrong spirits, well, I'm struggling with this. I'm dealing with this. Well, that's because you're entertaining the nonsense. Quit entertaining it and you won't be. Quit my. You got to quit consuming. You're numb because you're so caught up in something that's feeding your emotions to the point that you have no emotion left. And you come to church and you can't even feel God. And that's the type of person that Micah's wanting to get into his house. That's the type of person that Micah says, I'll give you 10 shekels a year, I'll give you some garments, some clothes. And I'll give you victuals. I'll give you what you need. I'll pay you. I'll make you a priest. Basically, I'll give you a position and I'll pay you in that position. Whether you're credentialed or not, whether you know truth or not, whether you know what true worship is or not, no matter who your daddy is, no matter where you come from, I'm more than willing to give you money. I'm more than willing to give you clothes. And I'm more than willing to give you food. And the Bible says that, that Micah looks at Jonathan and he says, hey, dwell with me. The problem was that Jonathan was just sojourning. He was just moving from one place to another. But Micah says, dwell with me. And so he, he, the Bible says he's content to go in. And he goes in the house. And all the promise, isn't it amazing what it promises you, but it delivers so little. I'm preaching to someone right now, you're on the verge of compromise. You're on the verge of compromising truth and your identity. You're questioning everything the man of God's saying. You're questioning everything that you've been taught as a child. And you're in this balance saying, I don't know if I believe this or not. I, I don't know if this is a reality or not. I don't know if this is truth or not. And, and you're in the balance of all of that. And, and basically what that is, that, that, that is confusion and turmoil and compromise. But, but listen, ma'am, look at me. Listen, ma'am, look at me. But God has a way of bringing a minister by just to say, listen, you're not a bad person. You just got to realign some stuff and redirect some stuff because that's where it gets us back to where we belong. I don't know where you're at here tonight, but I know a God that can get you back where you belong. authority over every lie of Micah because Micah's lying to you. You're not going to be a father. He's going to make you a son. You got to make up your mind. I don't want that lifestyle. I don't want what they have. I want to be real. I want to be what God wants me to be. Somebody give him praise right now. Give him praise. Come on, I'm not done just quite yet, but a few more moments. God, by the authority of your word, break every lie off of her in the name of
Jesus Christ be free. Somebody give him some high praise. Somebody worship the great God that's in this house. He was willing. Pastor Green, he was willing to leave. Leave overseeing the tabernacle. The testimony of the tabernacle for the teraphims that were in Micah's house. He was willing to leave the true linen ephod for that which was something that was a substitute. It was a man-made. It was, it was not by the plan of God or the purpose of God. It was made the way he wanted it to be made. And he left it all. Why in the world would he leave those type of places? Why would he dwell there? You can be a father, a male priest, and yet he was just a son. You can have and so he went in and said, yeah, give me the ten shekels of silver. And yes, give me the garments that you said was mine. And, and give me the victuals that you said was was mine, but would you, wouldn't you think that somewhere in the middle of all that false worship that he would be reminded of what true worship was? Wouldn't you think in the middle of being in Micah's house that his mind reverberate back to Bethlehem, Judah, back to the birthplace of Christ, back to the way his daddy did it and the Levites did it, and back to a real move of God and back to the reality of truth that somewhere along the way you would think you would miss living at Messiah's birthplace instead of Micah house of false gods and he's there in the middle of this quandrum in the middle of this mess that he's in you would think he would miss dwelling around the tabernacle but he's constantly dwelt in this new found man Micah surely he wondered what he would be like if I could just get back where I belong and get back to that place surely surely if I could just remember what it felt like to put the ark on my shoulder one more time surely 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 the weight of the glory I could put back on my shoulder I'm preaching to somebody right now God never said the glory to bring it in would be easy but the weight of it is heavy and it's hard and it's difficult but you got to get back under the weight and get back on the way to that and say Micah's house doesn't have the weight but Micah's house doesn't have the glory Micah's house don't have what I know but they don't have the power but if I can get back to Bethlehem Judah if I can get back to that place I can get the glory again I can have a move of God again I can be delivered again I can be set free again at Micah's house you could steal at Micah's house you could get paid at Micah's house you could live however you want to live Ten shekels. Come on in my house. I'll pay you ten shekels a year. I'll give you a little money. I'll throw a little money at you. And compromise is always vying for you. And it's always looking for you. It's always listening for the sound. It's always looking for the sound of a little jingle in your pocket. It's looking for a sound, a little tink in the sound. It's looking for a little tink along the way. And it's saying, come on in. I got a little something for you. 
I'll give you 10 shekels a year. I'll give you food. I'll give you a little clothes. At Micah house, you didn't, if you don't want to worship, you ain't got to. It's Micah's house. If you believe in a bunch of gods, it's okay at Micah's house. If you don't like everybody crying and running and dancing and shouting and talking in tongues and living holy, that's okay. Welcome to Micah's house. You can do whatever you want to do because ministry at Micah's house has no authority. It has no power. It's full of lies. It's full of agendas. It's full of idolatry because that's what Micah's house is all about. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You're in between Bethlehem, Judah, and Micah's house, and you can hear the coins. You can hear the coins that Micah has. He said, man, if I wouldn't do that, I'd have a lot of money. If I didn't stand up for truth, I'd get a lot more money. I'd have people give me all kinds of stuff. That's a lie. That's a lie. Thank you, Bishop. Bishop, thank you. Thank you for saying, nope, I don't need Micah's house. I got Messiah. It's okay. Thank you, Bishop, for giving us what we got. Thank you, Pastor Kurt Green and Sister Lori and your family. Thank you for the price that you paid. Thank you for the price that you're paying to make sure there's truth here. It ain't easy. God never said it'd be easy because you have to overcome the voice that Micah's saying, hey, won't you do that? I mean, my God, you're in Austin. You can do whatever you want to do. You can live however you want to live. You, if it feels good, just do but the Holy Ghost has sent me here tonight to get you before you ever get to Micah's house, before you ever in your <laughs> somebody in this house, your hand is out, and Micah's about to drop the ten shekels in your hand. But something's checking your spirit right now. You're saying, whoa, whoa, ho. Whoa, 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 uh, no, no, no. I'm good. Thanks. I'm good. I'm a I'm a I'm going to get where back where I belong because I don't care. It's, it's at Micah's house where ministries bought. It's at Micah's house where ministries are compromised. Come on, leader. You're supposed to be above, not below. Come on, leader. Quit thinking you can compromise everything and still lead the group and be anointed by God. No, you got to make up your mind. Make up your mind. I want the real, not the fake. I'm not taking Micah's money. I'm not taking Micah's linen fod. I'm not taking Micah's clothes. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Yep, you'll get your position. You'll get your power. You'll get your provision. But you ain't going to have the presence of God. Your pockets may jingle. You may have clothes. You may have whatever you want. But I promise you the food at Micah's house will not sustain you. The clothes that he give you will come a day they'll no longer fit you. The money he has given you, it will not be enough one day. But if you'll go back to Bethlehem, Judah, my God. If you'll get back where you belong and get back where you used to be with God, I'm telling you, there's enough power there. There's enough blessing there. There's enough provision there to sustain you. It's no time to inquire about your position at Micah's house. It's time to leave. Why would he give up his high calling? Why would he give up his assistance to the priesthood? Why would he give up teaching the laws to the people? Why would he give up being involved in the sacred music and praise of Israel? He gave it all up for ten pieces of silver. 
and a little bit of victuals. Now he's a hireling. Now he's got to do whatever Micah says do. Now, God, he has to live under the pall of selfishness and control manipulation. Instead of living in a life of freedom and victory in Christ Jesus. At Micah's house, he didn't have to pay the price. He didn't have to return tithe. He didn't have to give offerings. But he's losing everything in his world. In Judges chapter number 18, verse 2 through 4, the Bible says, I'm, I'm hurrying to a close. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Judges chapter 18, and the children of Dan sent of their family five men from their coast, men of valor, from Zorah, from Estaol, to, to spy out the land of Egypt. Estaol was the first place the Spirit of God moved on Samson. They're, these guys are coming from places, men of valor. They're coming from good places. And the Bible says they go to spy out the land to search it. And they said unto them, go search the land. When they come to Mount Ephraim, to the house of Micah, they lodge there. Next verse. And the Bible says when they were by the house of Micah, they knew the voice of the young man. What are you saying? I'm saying that Jonathan had influence in the lives of the men of valor, insomuch just by them walking by, they heard, Jonathan's in that house. Jonathan is in the house of Micah. Jonathan, the one that impacted me. Jonathan, the one that we know. I, they knew him so well that they recognized his voice just by walking by the house. And the Bible says, they turned in thither and said unto him, Who brought you in here? Surely somebody twisted your arm. Surely somebody made you come. Surely somebody forced you into this. Jonathan, you'd have never done this on your own. And so they recognized his voice and they said unto him, And what makest thou in this place? And what hast thou here? What did they offer you in this house that you didn't have back at the daddy's house? And they walked by and heard the voice. And I'm preaching to somebody right now that your influence is power. And influencing others in the kingdom of God is so vitally important, vitally important. And they're watching you. And they're listening to you. And when they see your voice say something different than your true identity, they send off an alarm to them saying, who, why, how'd you get where you're at? I'm preaching to somebody right now. You're in a dangerous place. You didn't mean to get there. You had no intentions of getting there. But somewhere along the way, the voices of Micah sucked you in so strongly that now five children of Dan are coming by hearing your voice and they're hearing what you have to say. What and how and when did you get where you're at? My real question to you is, are you ready to get out of Micah's house? Help me, Holy Ghost, relax. You're so miserable at Micah's house, but guilt and shame is holding you there. You want out. You're tired of being there. I got good news for you. There ain't enough devils in hell that can keep you in Micah's house. <laughs> Judges 18, 40. Judges 18, verse number 14. And ver yeah, beginning of verse number 14. So 
they, they said to him, do you know that there is a house, there is a houses, these houses of ephod and teraphims and a graven image and a molten image? How therefore consider what you have to do? Notice with me in verse number 19. So 18, these men went into Micah's house. They fetched the carved image, the ephod and the teraphim and the molten image. Then said the priest unto them, what do you? What are you doing? Verse 19. And they said unto him, Jonathan, hold thy peace. Lay thy hand upon thy mouth and go with us. Notice the promise. They first, Micah promised Jonathan money, clothes, and food. But the children of Dan, for them to go with him, this is what they tell him. It is it better for thee to be a priest in the house of one man, or would thou be the priest to a tribe and a family in Israel? The promise moved from money and clothes and food to a crowd. I'll give you a big crowd. You'll be the priest instead of a little bitty house. You're going to be the priest of the tribe of Israel. Come on, there is a spirit in this city and it's trying to try to weave its way into this church to get compromised to come in here in the name of a crowd. If the money wouldn't do it, a crowd will try its best to do it. If the clothes didn't do it, a crowd will try to do it. If the food didn't do it, I hope I'm making sense here tonight. And I don't know who I'm preaching to. He just ain't a preacher here tonight. It's somebody, the sound of my voice, that you're saying, I want to I want to do what everybody else is doing. I'm preaching to somebody right now. God did not call you to do it your own way, the way you see it in your own eyes. But he called you out of darkness in this marvelous light that you'd be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Let me pray preaching somebody right now it's time for you to wake up in Micah's house it's time for you to leave that house stand with me Judges 18 and verse number 30 here's the problem sir here's the problem ma'am if you put the coins in your pocket the clothes on your back and the food in your mouth and then you follow the children of Dan with their big crowd. Here's the problem that you're going to run into. It's not only going to affect you, it's going to affect your children. Judges chapter 18, verse number 30. And the children of Dan set up the graven image, and Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, he and his sons, he and his sons, he and his sons, he and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan, until the day of the captivity of the land. His sons become hirelings. His sons were affected by the decision. Micah's house has nothing for you. You don't belong there. You've never belonged there. It's not the will of God for you to be there. I don't know how many steps you are from Bethlehem, Judah. I battled all day, Brother Green, what to do. I battled all day. I had so many messages, so many thoughts. I, I had stuff laid out everywhere. I was reading. I was praying. I was searching. I was seeking. My wife was next to me. I had stuff everywhere on the bed trying to figure out what to do. I went to prayer again, and the Holy Ghost said, there's a Jonathan in that house. And you're to intercept them from the house where they belong in Bethlehem, Judah, to the house of Micah. And so the only reason why I preach like I preach tonight, the only reason why perhaps that I'm here tonight 
is there's a Jonathan Weather. I, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but you know what I'm talking about. Jonathan is a position. It's a place. It's where you are. You could be a male or a female and be in the same place that this young man, this Levite, was in. Could be your preacher's daughter, a minister's daughter, a pastor's daughter, a pastor's son. Somewhere in this journey, in this life, there's an interception that's coming. But the enemy has meant for evil. What the enemy's tried to suck the life out of you and your discontentment. You're faced with a decision at Micah's house. Do I just keep on? I'm preaching to somebody right now. The Holy Ghost is going to give you the courage to say, Micah, I hear your voice, but no thanks. Micah, I hear what you have to offer, but no thanks. Not me. Uh-uh. Brother Matthew, there will be times when you're going to hear Micah so loud. He's going to scream at you. He's going to reach out of his doorstep. He's going to cross the the threshold. He's going to reach out, try to get a hold of you. He's going to do it. But you better make up your mind. You're not getting your hands on me. I don't want your filthy money. I don't want your garment. I don't want your food. Somebody needs to tell King Nebuchadnezzar, I'm not eating your meat, sir. I'm not eating your meat, and I'm not bound before your image. I'm not coming in your house. No, 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 no. I'm preaching to somebody right now. I'm trying to intercept you. I'm trying to intercept you. Come here. Come here, sis. Come on. Come walk me just for a minute. Just walk me for a minute. Come on. You was on a journey, and you was just in the middle of it. You didn't have any bad intentions, but tonight the Holy Ghost has intercepted you, and He's saying, "Hey, we're gonna come on back. We're just gonna come on back where we belong. We're gonna we're gonna step over. Step with me. We're gonna step over Micah's money. We're gonna say, I don't need that. I don't need that garment. Nope, I don't need that. But I'm, I feel something breaking in the Holy Ghost." Somebody throw your hands in the air right now. Throw your hands in the air right now. Every teenager, I want you to raise your hands in the air right now. Every teenager, young man, or teenager, young lady, Father, I pray tonight that wherever they are in their journey, I pray God you intervene. I plead your blood. I plead your blood. I plead your blood, God. I plead your blood here tonight. I plead it in the name of Jesus Christ. Are you after the real thing? I don't know about you, but I, I'm making up my mind tonight. I'm le- if I'm on my way there, I'm leaving. If I'm in the house sitting on the couch, I'm leaving. If I'm eating the food at Micah's table, I'm going to get up and I'm going back to Bethlehem, Judah, because I don't belong at Micah's house. You can keep your money. You can keep your money, Micah. I don't need it, Micah. Somebody needs to find an apostolic altar and say, Micah, I'm giving your money up. Micah, I don't want it, and I don't want no part of it. As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. That's what I feel to do. That's what I feel to do.
turning point, you have reached the turning point. You have reached the point where I will draw you back in. You must submit at the turning point. It is at that turning point where you must make your decision. You must make up your mind. This is the direction that I will go. Tonight, I have called you back to that place. Tonight, I have positioned you at the turning point. It is in your hands. It is your decision. It is your choice. I, the Lord, will not force you at turning point. I, the Lord, will not make you do anything you do not want to do. But if you will yield to me, I will walk with you and I will lead you and guide you back to that place that I have called you, says the Lord. Come on, church, let's pray. I got direction. We're going to do something in a moment. But right now, I know some of you just watching everybody. But let's just turn our attention off of others and turn it on him. Come on, close your eyes with me all over the house. Lift your hands to the Lord. <laughs> you're 30 years and younger, there's many praying, keep, keep praying, but it's what I feel to do. If you're 30 years and younger, I want you to form a single line down the middle of this church. 30 years and under. Whether you're married or single, it's irrelevant to me. Sis, just take a few steps backwards, go to the pew, just the edge of the pew. Form a single line facing the pulpit. <laughs> yes, Lord. The rest of you that are watching these younger crowd, I want you to stretch your hands toward them and just start praying here in a moment. Listen, sis, you're the first right there. Listen to me. I want you to pretend as if there's an imaginary line running across the front of those pews that no matter how it was before, this is to everybody in this line, no matter your position in life, no matter where you've been, no matter your walk of life, I don't know how many Jonathans that are in this line, but there's several uh, Jonathans that I'm reaching for tonight that's in this line. There's several Jonathans that are in this line. Tonight, you've reached a turning point at a crossroads. You've played games long enough. 
You've journeyed long enough. You've aimlessly wandered through life with no direction long enough. Aimlessly wandering through life ends up at the house of Micah because it's always trying to give direction for you that you got to get from God. But tonight I feel like some commitments and some covenants and some miracles are going to happen. When you step across that line in a minute, I'm asking the ministry, Brother Green, Brother Green, ministry staff of this local church, come help me. We're going to have an old-fashioned prayer line, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray that the Holy Ghost equips this young generation. God, come on. They're fighting stuff we've never even fought or faced. They're dealing with stuff we have no idea what they're dealing with. There's voices that Micah's screaming to them. But tonight, by the fear of God, I want you to stretch your hands toward them. Listen, before you step, every time you get up here, you step in faith saying, God, I'm getting back where I belong. I want you to loose yourself and let the Holy Ghost touch you. I want you to stretch your hands toward this group right now. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I want preacher's wives to come. Sister Greens, come on. Sister Burns, come. I want you right now, stretch your hands. I want you to pray. I need saints of God, elders, mamas, and daddies. Father, by the authority of your word, and you're ready for the power. Go in the name of lift your hands and receive it.
to minister to them. Keep on obeying the Holy Ghost. If you're still in line, I want you to believe God for a transformation. Sweet Holy Ghost. Sweet Holy Ghost.
Stretch your hands toward him. We're going to pray for him, and then I'm going to give you some instructions. Just lift our hands and pray. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, minister to his name. Touch him, God, I pray. Touch him, God, I pray. Touch him, God, I There's a couple more that will be prayed for, but let's wait on that just for a moment. The Holy Ghost revealed to me that he wants to heal in this service, not just physically, but there's emotional healing that needs to take place. Fear, anxiety, depression, and trust. Fear, anxiety, depression, and trust. God just quickened me just a moment ago that Jonathan could have left Bethlehem, Judah, because he could have seen somebody in this tribe misrepresent true ministry. He could have left because of what he's seen someone do. How many people you know that left the church because somebody did something? They said something, they done something, or they put their faith in a man and a man failed them and they said, if that's the way that it is, I'm out. But tonight there's healing here and I don't want to make you go past the point and I just been waiting for y'all to pray because God's been dealing with me ever since I did the prayer line. So Hannah prayed that she would have a boy. She's in the temple praying. She's seeking God. She's acting as if she's drunk in so much that Eli says you're drunk in the temple. She's falsely accused by the ministry for doing something she did not do. But when that boy Samuel's born, she takes that boy to the same hands that falsely accused her. That falsely accused you was drunk in the temple. I wasn't drunk in the temple. I was praying to God for a miracle. And the man that falsely accused her, she took Samuel and she brought him to Eli to train him in ministry to the same hands that falsely accused her. And look what Samuel became, that great prophet of God, lawgiver, powerful man of ministry. Why? Because a mama trusted ministry. I'm telling somebody in this room that I'm sorry that somewhere in your past ministries failed you, hurt you, or wronged you. But you cannot live your life because Samuel... Samuel has to be have contact with the ministry and Samuel has to be shown the ways of God and Samuel Samuel has to hear the voice of God in the temple he'll never hear his name be called if a Hannah wouldn't have gave him to Eli and gave him to minister in that temple so tonight your trust has to be healed I have to trust you I have to trust ministry brother brother will you come help me brother green 
We have to get in trust position. I showed some of you men this the other day. Just lean back. Hold, hold me tight. Just lean back. I got to get in trust position with yeah. ministry. Yeah. That's where I got to get. Yeah. I got to trust them. I got to hold them long Ooh, enough. I got to believe Jesus. in them. I got to trust them. Mm-hmm. Because if I don't, yeah. I'm going to fall. Yeah. And I can't. Ministry needs me as much as I need ministry. I got to get in trust position oh, with ministry. Yeah. And if I'll get in trust with ministry, God can burst some Samuels around here and we can see the will of God done here. You got to get back in that position with God and God's man. It says, I got hurt five years ago. You let me down. You stamped on me and falsely accused me. And I was innocent the whole time. But nevertheless, for the will of God to be done in my life and in my family and in my Samuel, tonight I'm going to be healed. Somebody hear me in the Holy Ghost. You got to let it go. You got to let it go. You got to let it go. Come on. Those hands will love you. Come here, Pastor. Come help me. Those hands will love you. These hands, these hands, these hands are not meant to hurt you. These hands, these hands are not meant to do anything. This mouth right here, it's not meant to do. Has he made some mistakes? Yeah, I bet every man has. Everybody, either without sin, won't you cast your first stone? The only one that could have cast a stone was Jesus, and he didn't do it. Everybody else had no right to, but Jesus could have got handfuls of stone and cast it at an adulterous woman. But he said, he said, neither do I can cut off the Holy Ghost in this house. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. So, so if this church is going to be what this church needs to be, I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've known him or how little you've known him. If you can't trust his hands and you can't trust him as an oracle of God and a mouthpiece of God, is he going to do things you don't like? Yes, he's going to do stuff you don't like. But at the end of the day, you're just going to submit to that authority and say, I'm going to stay covered. I'm going to keep my spirit right. Great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. I'm just going to get in alignment. I'm going to get in submission to authority because I'm going to be healed. I want you to lift your hands just a minute. I got, I got to do so. Lift your hands right now. All right, lift your hands and love him all over the house. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, come on, there are angels in this room here tonight. There's messenger angels come that are going to speak to you. They're going to give you a message as they did Mary and told Mary she was highly favored. Come on, there's messenger angels that are sent to the heirs of salvation. I want somebody in this house, if you're battling anxiety, you're battling fear or depression, or you're just battling mere and sheer trust for ministry, I want you to run to this altar. I don't care if you're sitting. I don't care if you're at the back of the pew. I don't care where you are, but you need to be healed physically, emotionally, mentally, You need your trust button fixed. You need your trust factor fixed. Come on. I want you to come. Whether you've been raised in a preacher's home or not, whether you've seen ministry do stuff that's hurt you, that's cut on you,
you, I want you to come. Come on. I'm going to pray for you. There's healing in this house. If you'll let them go, you'll be free. If you'll let them go, you can be, my God, you can be healed tonight. I'm telling somebody you can be healed tonight. Come on, let Eli go. Come on, let Eli go. Come on, Hannah. Trust Eli with your children. Come on, Hannah. Trust Eli with your babies. Come on, Hannah. Trust Eli with your children. Come on, Hannah. Trust Eli with your future. Come on, trust him with your future. Lift your hands up high. Lord Jesus, I've come tonight in the fear of God. I come in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. I've come to declare and to decree healing. I pray I curse anxiety. I curse fear. God, you've not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and power of a sound mind. I pray the body of Christ would trust ministry again. I pray you would trust ministry again. Come on, Hannah. Won't you lift your voice? Come on, Hannah. Won't you lift your voice? Come on, Hannah. Won't you lift your voice and trust the ministry again? May I pray for you right now in the name of the Lord? Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in Jesus' name. Come on. I'm going to trust God again. I'm going to trust God again. I'm going to trust ministry again. I'm going to believe in them again. I know, I know God's going to help me. I know God's going to heal me. Anxiety, go. Depression, go. Now, I pray somebody get your joy back right now. I pray you get your peace back right now. I pray the peace of God that passes all understanding. I pray you get it back right now. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength right now. Receive joy. God baptize with joy. Come on. Baptize us with joy. Let the joy of the Lord be our strength right now. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I receive the strength of God. I need you, Lord. I need you, God. Suicide spirit, the balance suicide and depression. Come on, you gotta praise God, it'll leave. You gotta worship God, it'll leave. You gotta lift your voice anyways, it'll leave. I'm gonna praise you, God. In the middle of my depression, I'm gonna lift your voice. For my deliverance is coming. My deliverance is coming. He's a healer. Be healed in Jesus' name. Come on. He's a healer. Be healed in Jesus' name. God, you're a healer. Heal in this house tonight. Heal in this house tonight, God. I curse pain in this house. I curse diseases. I curse viruses. I pray you be healed in the name of Jesus from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. Let healing come to your body. God, you're a healer. By your stripes, we're healed. Hallelujah. 
Listen to me just for a moment. I was in a church in Mississippi. If, if you're praying, keep praying. But if you're not praying, just listen to me just for a moment. I was in a church in Mississippi, and I was preaching, and I felt, I felt strongly that someone was battling suicide. Um, in so much, it, it's one thing to say, you know, some people off the cuff will say, well, I'll just go commit suicide. No, I'm not talking about stupid stuff like that. Thank you, Jesus. I'm talking about people that's acted it out in their mind. They thought about how they would do it. They thought about where they would do it. And it's went beyond just a fleeting thought to they've acted it out in their mind. And I was addressing that. And when I was addressing that, there was a man in the room. He was in his 70s. He was in his 70s. And he left his pew. And he come down the aisle in front of everybody and let everybody know that he was battling suicide. He come up on the platform. We prayed for him, and I believe that God delivered him. And as far as I know, he's never committed suicide. But I was praying for an individual just a while ago, and that story come back to my mind. And we're, I'm going to address the spirit of suicide. It's a selfish spirit that has no good intentions in your life at all. It's a destructive thing that will ruin your life and everybody that loves you. And it's selfish. And the easiest way to deal with it when a thought comes in your mind is to lift your hands and just start praising God. That's the easiest way to deal with it. Because suicide has to go when you're asking, you're praising the giver of life and the Holy Ghost starts moving. I know what it's like to drive down the road in my motor home and the suicide come on me and say, won't you just kill everybody in the family? And won't you just wreck this whole motor home? I know what that's like. But I also know what it's like to lift my hands and begin to worship God. Come on. Come on, young people. Don't let that spirit of suicide get on you. If you're not pretty enough, you're not good enough, you're not talented enough, that's a lying spirit that's lying to you. You lift your hands and say, God's still good and God's still worthy. The, it'll change the atmosphere above you and the suicide has to leave. If you're battling suicide or just anybody in this house, I want you to lift your hands with me right now. Come on, lift your hands up high, Lord. We're going to praise you right now. I curse the spirit of suicide. I loose it off of you and bind in the pits of hell tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. I send it back where it comes from. I curse it in Jesus' name. God, deliver young people. Deliver elders in this house. Let them use the weapon of praise. Come on. Sometimes you got to send up Judah. Just send up Judah. It'll fight the battle for you. Come on, I'm done. I want you to obey the Holy Ghost. You want to pray with somebody, go. You need something, receive it. There's all kinds of pockets of anointing flowing right now.